We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Rob Doss. We have a couple guys that have experienced being first-round picks. John Henson was in the green room. He was the last pick in the lottery in the 2000, was it 2012? 2012, yep. yep. 2012 draft. We got Randolph Childress, who was the 19th pick. I'm not going to date you, RC. I'm yeah, don't do that polite. to me. I'm going to be respectful. <laughs> Let's just say it was a little while ago. And we got my man that was the first pick of the Slovakian draft in the 2011. None other than right. Clemson's own Terrence Ogilvy, we're going to break down every single pick. We are going to have a long conversation about Victor Wembanyama and just how good he ends up being. We got to talk about trades. We got to talk about the Warriors, who may be the oldest team in the history of basketball. They look like a men's league right now. Uh, but before we do all of that, we got to get into the Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller debacle, I think is the best way to phrase it. Uh, some of us may have wagered quite a bit of money on Scoot Henderson going as the number two pick. I don't know if that's going to end up happening. We got a battle. We got a source off here, guys. We got Sham saying it's going to be Scoot. We got Woj saying it's going to be Brandon Miller. Henson, I'm going to go to you first on this one. If you are Michael Jordan, if you right. are the Charlotte Hornets, who would you be taking with the second overall pick? Um, from our perspective, I got to see Brandon Miller a lot more, so I'm definitely going to take Brandon Miller. I would say, um, if it was my, I think his positional fit is better. However, you do take the best player. So we weren't in those workouts, we weren't in those live, we weren't in those meetings. So we don't really know what they see, what they're seeing, kind of behind the scenes. But I'm gonna take Brandon Miller. But if Scoot Henderson is the better player, then you have to take him. Point blank. Period. RC, I, I take Brandon Miller only because I, I think it's what you have. And if you did take Scoot, then I think you're telling everyone, I'm not paying Lamelo Ball. And in a league where you need six eight six nine wings. Um, as talented as Scoot Henderson is, and I think he'd be a big-time player. I, I just think Brandon Miller is more of what you have to have if you want to have a successful run in the uh, in the NBA. Uh, and so I, I think his size and shot-making ability, I take right now over Scoot for that. If you team. guys were if you guys were GMs, you'd be picking in the lottery a lot. So it'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of practice there. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta hey. go, Scoot. You gotta go, Scoot. No, man. We talking about no. No, I, I just yeah. That's Derrick Rose. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's interesting because like if Scoot is in fact the better player, if you believe that, then you, who cares about positional fit? But I do think Brandon Miller is, you know, you don't find too many six nine swing men that can kind of have a Hall of Fame All Star type ceiling 
you got to go there. Yeah, see, that's what I think Scoot has. Six ones or six two, huge frame. I mean, I don't know what his wingspan is. I'd be shocked if it wasn't six eight, six nine. That kind of explosiveness, that's where you got to go to. And the top three, four picks, you don't go for fit. You go for fit, you know, after 10, in my opinion. First three picks, you're trying to go with the highest upside. That's where I'm at with it. When was the last time a six two guard took you somewhere for that high? Not just a player, but when was the last time you had a six two guard? take you to a championship because that's what you're thinking in the top three pick i'm thinking i'm thinking of derrick rose of chicago before he got hurt that's the last comparable dude just because of no the, i agree how wide he was no i agree with you he, he he's definitely that that's his comp and but i think that's also the concerns when you're a 6-2 guard if i'm the gm of the hornets i'm trading Lamelo. I'm going full. I'm going all in right now. I'm trading going, Lamelo. Going full, listen. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trading in. I'm trying to trade Lamelo, draft Scoot, get Zion back in North Carolina because that's the only place he can stay healthy for longer than three games. And then I'm trying to bring PJ or what, what's his name? Uh, Miles Bridges Whoa. back on the cheap. You were loaded. You were loaded. I'm a Mark Williams Portland fan too. I think that's what I think Portland should do. I think Portland should draft him third and trade Dane. Yeah, and trade Dane. Yes. Yeah. See, I yes. I disagree. I, if if you got Scoot Henderson not- and Anthony Simons, like why would you want to learn? Why would you want them to learn from anybody other than Dame Lillard? Like it's got to be him. Well, you got to have well, at this point because, you feel bad because, for Dame. because going forward you're not going anywhere, right? So it, the haul you're going to get back for Dame. Now you can add stuff with them, whether it's veteran pieces or whatever. You can get leadership in a trade. And- and Dame is making $60 million a year. That's not a guy that you want to – that's just not a learn-from guy. You need him playing. I, I think level. third I would do it. I think third I would do it and I would trade Dame. I mean, that would be my – whether he wanted to or not. I respect that he wants to stay in Portland because nobody does. But if I'm his franchise now, before he his his game declines, I, I go out and approach him. I trade him. All right, so let me, let me lay out my argument for Scoot here. This is why I think you got to go with Scoot at number two over Brandon Miller, because I think when you compare him to anybody, when you watch him play Derek Rose, easy comparison to make, right? I see Russell Westbrook there because of the explosiveness, because of the ability off the dribble. I think he is, I think Scoot's a better passer than people give him credit for. And, you know, obviously Russell Westbrook averaged a a triple double. He could pass. He knew how to play. He knew how to play off of ball screens. I think that Scoot's upside is MVP. I don't think that you can say the same thing about Brandon Miller. And when you are drafting with the second pick, like you got to hit home runs. You're not trying to hit singles and doubles. I don't think that when you are picking, when you're a 17 win team, like the, like the Hornets were, I don't think that you could sit there and say, we need to pick for fit because you're, you're bad. You're not good. You're terrible. You got to go for the guy that could be the franchise changing player. I think Brandon Miller could be an all-star. I don't think that he has the same kind of upside as Scoot does. So I think you got, I mean, you got to try to swing for the fences, right? I think you guys have given a comp, and he's got a great all-time comp. But at the end of the day, name me six three guards that's taking you to a championship. Hey, this is Charlotte. We're just trying you to mean, get the you mean other than Steph Curry. You mean <laughs> other than about Steph Curry? championship? But, but, but that's my point. The playoffs. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter. Like we can't pick the the the, the, the you know he's the omega. I mean, there's no comparison to that. Like that's just a different animal, different regime. I, I don't I mean he's not that. I'm not look at. It. I don't, I'm not saying like I'm not a fan of Scoots at all. I just think if I'm Charlotte, I take Brandon Miller. I think he's, like you said, he could, but that's only because we're comparing him to the youngest MVP ever. 
Like they ain't been but one Derrick Rose. And, and also in the finals, in the finals and championship finals history, I think in the last eight finals, the MVP has been a forward. Or and Jokic happened to be a center, but like I think in the, before this year, I think in the last six or seven finals, the, the MVP of a finals was a forward. So that should tell you something kind of about. I think there's more scoops out there than Brandon Miller's, and there's not a lot in general. But I think you can find you a scoop before you're going to find a guy like Brandon Miller, six nine, defense, plays the right way, shoots the ball, multi positional. I, I I do believe he's the pick, but we're not sitting there. We're not Jordan. We don't know what he's thinking, so it's going to be interesting. Paul right, so is, is, is Scoop better than Ja? No chance. They, I think they're, they're they're the same. They're the he's bigger than Ja. I here's here's what I'll say about that. Um, your best ability as a basketball player is availability, and I don't think that we're going to have to worry about Scoop getting suspended for twenty five oh, games at a time. <laughs> you asked, you asked, look, the, the, the pick for the, the number one pick in this draft was obvious. It was always going to be Victor Wembenyama. This was the Victor Wembenyama draft. He is as good of a prospect as we have ever seen in, in, in basketball ever point blank period. Um, I think uh, Woj was a guy that said that he was better than LeBron as a prospect. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, um, but if they were if side by side, side by side. So here's my argument there side by side. Uh, it, like they're both still in high school. Like I remember how much hype was around LeBron. Like it was insane. I'm sure you guys do too. But like th- the hype is equal with Wimbanyama, and he's a foot taller. <laughs> yeah, like he might not yeah. be a foot taller now, but he's at least six to seven inches taller. Because I think LeBron's damn near six ten. So like, I, I watched the clips. I mean, literally, I've seen clips all day. Obviously, today I was sitting in the green room watching highlights of him, like on ESPN, and every. I mean, literally, I'm like. Jaw drop, like I, I, and I've seen the same thing over and over and over. I just can't get over how dynamic he is. You see him holding a baseball, like I mean, he's, it's like a grape in his. I mean, like I, that was wild. With the new NBA and how things are going and the spacing, like you know, I, when he feels his friend feels out and he gets comfortable. I mean, I, I mean, I saw him, the picture of him beside Rudy Gobert, like he is bigger than Rudy Gobert, and substantially. He, and Rudy Gobert has signed two hundred fifty million dollars max deals, and he does ten times more than him. So it's scary what he could become if he stays healthy. That's the if. That's the big yeah. e. If yep. right, Tio? Yep. That, that absolutely. Big players, big feet. It, it like super long feet. Whenever you guys have seen his warm up routine, he's over there working on his big toe and everything, and he's he's got two canoes. He's having to lug around. Like that's the big yep. thing that scares me. And and another thing too. John, I want to ask you this because I feel like when guys get to the NBA, they want to put weight on them, put weight on them. I, it, he's kind of gone against that, and I agree with it. In today's yeah. game, I'm not sure that that's necessarily needed. If anything, it's going to hurt him more than help him. Yeah, he'll he'll naturally feel – I mean, I look at his frame and just kind of how he's built. He'll fill out. He's going to get some size on him. I just remember, you know, when I came into the NBA, I was a four at Carolina. I was power forward. Game changes, game gets faster, smaller. So I transitioned to a five. And the physicality difference between the four and the five is literally night and day. And so hopefully they ease him into that five spot and get him a little stronger. But him starting off at the five right away, I don't think it's a great idea. There's no way they'll do that. He's going to the best organization to help him with yep. that. Yep, yep. I mean, it, it's almost like it was handpicked. 
You know, like if he was going to go anywhere, the Spurs was the best place for him for the reasons we're talking about. You know, the concerns physically. Yeah. I think he'll he'll get stronger. He doesn't need to get necessarily bigger. He'll get a little bigger, but he just needs to get stronger. Yep. Yeah. So the, the pick is officially in Victor Wembanyama, uh, number one draft pick going to the San Antonio Spurs. I will say this. They just showed those guys that had the uh, the starter, the the teal Spurs starter jackets with the Wembenyama on the back. Like, I gotta get me one of those. Fire. <laughs> those those that was nice. Um so you, would, comes, would you wear were would you wear a jersey with another man's name on your back, Doster? That's the question that we need to know here. I mean, yeah. Like why he does it all the time. I just feel like there's an age appropriate thing where like you, you get past twenty five years old, you can't wear another <laughs> man's name on your back. I mean, he's he, look how much bigger he is than everybody's hook. Yes, like what? The, that's the crazy thing about watching his highlights, right? Is that you see a guy that is quite literally six inches taller than you, John. He's six inches taller than you, and he's probably what, like, naturally kind of like a three-four, right? He's, he's got the he's got the handle, he's got the step backs. It's just I don't think we've ever seen anything like him. I, I appreciate story. I appreciate the the. The, the look that Wimbenyama has because there's some wild suits out there in these streets today. I mean, Grady like, Dick's had on the um, I don't know what movie that was where they with the red suit, but I mean, Grady Dick, Vanilla I, Ice. I, I actually like Grady Dick a lot more until I saw the studios right now. I'm worried about him. You know what I like about about Wemby? Not not to cut you off. The thing that really stood out to me is I don't know. Did you guys listen to him on the JJ Reddick podcast that he mm-hmm. did? Yeah, yeah. I the the fact that one he is as well-spoken as he is when two, he is speaking English as what a second language for him. That that's something that really stood out to me is there's a lot of guys, especially players of his caliber, right. That grow up in the United States to get everything given to him. They get all the hype, they get all the above they, they get all the publicity. Like you guys have coached and lived and worked in basketball for long enough. You know exactly what I'm referring to. It doesn't seem like he has any of that. He doesn't seem like he's got a level of entitlement. He just, I don't know. He fe- it feels like he gets it right. It feels like he's a player where you can buy into the idea that he's gonna uh, he's gonna be able to live up to his potential without running into a Zion or a Job ja Morant kind of a situation that kind of makes you say, eh, "I don't know about this." I think that's the advantage he has of playing in Europe. He's playing. A, he's playing with pros. He's playing. You playing know, with pros constantly. Like it, 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 yeah, it's constant. Every game playing against pros. He's he's faced bigger stronger guys he's he's played against some really good competition right and that french league is 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 underrated as far as the it's really level. good it's that, that's the thing that people really like people league. like frown on european basketball like that french league that monaco team they played they had seven former nba guys on there it, it would be if it wasn't for their taxes talent wise it would probably be arguably maybe the best league in europe yeah. if they could keep I, all their players home i i remember when even like Luca, you know, everybody's questioning Luca, like he's in the Euro League. I remember asking Giannis, I said, Giannis, hey, what you think about the Luca kid? He's like, he should be number one pick. It, the Euro League is Euro League is legit, and he's the MVP of the Euro League. He's like, he will be fine. Like he's going to be really good. And so we may be looking at something very similar. He's played as professionals. He's not played as college kids. And like I said, the French league is really good. That Monaco team almost won the Euro League title this year. So. He's and the reason that. why it's different than the other leagues is because they got the athletes there. Mm-hmm. Like he's not gonna, he, they, you know, you get to the French league. Some of these leagues don't have the athleticism. The it, French league, every team has is stacked with athletes. Is that his sister or his girlfriend? Just ask for a friend. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So the the pick is in. Um, yeah. According to Shams Tranya, uh, he said sources after seriously debating Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, Charlotte is selecting Miller at number two, which is a uh, a killer for my Bet Rivers bankroll. <laughs> uh, but he but you got Brandon Miller at number two, Henson. It was your guy. He's gone yep. off the board. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the right way to go. Um, historically, I think RC brought up a good point uh, of what guard has led his team to. More, more force in the mold of Brandon Miller have led their teams to winning than guards like Scoot, which isn't an uh, indictment on Scoot. But um, now it gets interesting because what's Portland going to do with, you know, with Dane? They're going to trade. Are they going to bring him in? So now the draft has started. Yeah. No question. No question. I mean, I, I thought that should have been a pick, and I'm sure it was close because of the excitement of what Scoot could bring. But I, I thought Brandon Miller, if I was Charlotte, I thought that would have been the safe, the safe best pick. He's the best positional fit. I think that's another thing. Look, there's no loser here. I, I just no, feel no. like because of what Scoot brings from a body size perspective, his ability to get to the rim from day one, I think that I, I think he just has another gear. Uh, compared to what I think Brandon Miller is going to have to be a second option. So let's let's talk about what he can be as a player, Brandon Miller, because we saw him um, at Alabama. He is uh, an elite shot maker. He is a guy that has that positional size, 6'9". And uh, I think there's a level of toughness there. I think there's a level of physicality there. My biggest question with him is, will he be anything more than a catch-and-shoot guy in the league? I don't know if he's got enough you know, shit to him off the bounce. I don't know if he has uh, – Kind of the the I like the Paul George kind of isolation score, isolation playmaker um in his range of outcomes. But when you're six eight and a guy that can shoot it the way that he could shoot it, you got to bet on that, right, RC? I, well, I, I think he has it better than you give him credit for, in a sense. I mean, I don't think he I don't think there's many Paul Georges out there at six eight, six nine anyway. I mean, PG can be your point. That's why he's so highly regarded. But I think he's good enough to create good enough to come off ball screens and make plays. So you have to, you know, you have to take that. And again, you can't put so many resources in your point guard spot. You draft Lamelo in the first round, and Lamelo, when you got to make that work, you know, you're selling the team and, and you're taking over a team. Give me Brandon Lamelo. I got size in my backcourt. I got versatility in my backcourt. And then let's try to figure out what my other front line guys are doing. Uh, he, he definitely can handle that thing. I mean, we saw him. You know, he's got the crosses over. He's got the hezies. He can finish with the left, right. I, I think he's a lot more competent off the dribble than people know. And then, you know, him going to certain organizations, you know, you worry sometimes like Charlotte, are they, do they have a track record of developing guys, right? Like what's their player development there? And I think my guy Marvin Williams is there, but you know, like what, what are they going to, you know, now it's time to develop him and mold him into what you guys want and support him being a number two pick, but the organization has to support that pick and, and try to build with around and uh, support him. So hopefully they do that as well. You know, Charlotte's a little shaky organizational wise, it's a lot of transition, a lot of turnover. So hopefully um, they do the right thing by it. I think the best thing they're going to do is get somebody else running the thing. Running the thing. That's the biggest thing. Like the best thing right. they're going to do is get somebody else running it. And I'm happy. Look, I'm happy for Brandon Miller. I, I can't remember if I said this or not, uh, Doster, but I said he would be the first SEC player drafted in this year's draft preseason last year. Just a humble brag. That did happen. And you picked Nick Smith. I don't know where he's at. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. Uh, but look, he, he's really talented. It's a matter of how he's going to be able to do with the ball in his hands. Can he be that primary option? And I think the Hornets are banking on him being able to be that guy at certain points of the game. 
if you're picking him number two. Like he's got to be able to create something on his own at the end of the shot clock in the playoffs when the game slows down to a crawl. Like that's where you wonder, can you know Miller be able to do that? I think eventually he could. And I think the fact that he's going to be able to play off his jump shot to start with is going to help those things. But he's not this dynamic, slow-to-fast guy that Paul George is. I would say he's a better shooter, though. So maybe he'll be able to get guys to close out a little tighter, and then he can attack that way. But if you're the number two pick in the draft, you're being banked on to create something at the end of the clock during playoff time. Yeah. Well, not when they got a guy already there that does that. They're going to put the ball in Lomelo's hand. And he yeah, just has to do – his strength is catching and shooting. Now, they may – to him in certain areas and certain you know switches and mid posts and using the size and length, but they don't have to give him the ball day one and say go make a play for him. So let me ask you guys this: He said yesterday that uh, Paul George is his goat. It's not Michael Jordan. It's not LeBron. He said Paul George is his goat, and that moved him like six spots down my top one hundred draft board. Like he clearly doesn't know ball. Are you worried about that at all? <laughs> Does that concern you? Uh, that were you know one thing that um. I was talking to my guy. Um, a a ton of guys player. love him. Players, college yeah. players, yeah, yeah. They kids, they love Paul George. It's, um, you know, a lot of kids, the best kids that they found watch the game of basketball. So that does worry me a little bit. I mean, maybe he was speak, talking in jest and trying to be funny. Like, hey, that's who he wants to be. You know, because when you are getting drafted, oh, agents do tell you to say certain, Yeah, agents do tell you to say certain things and try to, you know, this is what you want to be, then say that. And so I don't know if I believe he really believes that, but, um, you know, that kind of does scare me. Like, do you, does he watch the, does he watch games at home and he's chilling by himself? I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that kids don't do nowadays that people used to, you know, I did at least in my kind of generation before. And I'm sure RC, you know, you watch who all the time. Kids don't do it no more, man. They playing Fortnite. <laughs> What do we think about this plaid suit? It's important. Well, look, since since we're on to to plaid suits, we have uh, old man John Henson on here um, ranting about kids playing Fortnite these days. Uh, Scoot Henderson, officially, the pick is in, according to Shams. Um, Number three pick, Portland is taking. To me, that was the obvious choice, right? Now the big question is, what does Portland do now that they have Scoot Henderson? Because they have Damian Lillard. They have Anthony Simons. Uh, and I don't think like uh, Damien. One gonna, of them will like, not be on the roster by the end of the day. Okay, so who would you? One trade? of the three. Would you? One trade? of those two. They're not. I, I can't imagine why you keep Dame and keep him. And, and, and like I said, from a if you're a front office guy, this is why I think the draft decided. I don't think it was as much of a surprise for me. The first two picks. If I'm Portland, for my organization, if I'm running it, I'm taking Scoot third, and I'm trading Dame. You almost That's owe Dame that much too. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I mean, it's, and, and, it's, and you said I, I, I would be honored. You're, you're great that he loves being there, but mm. I would come to him now and just say, "Hey, man, let me trade you to uh, a, a Miami." And you know, guys, I've said it Miami for a while, but wherever, like, I would trade him somewhere that he wants to go, and then get back my draft. And like keeping him now with school, like I, I don't, I don't. School and, needs the ball in his hand day one. You can't do that with Dame. Sure. You're not going I, I, anywhere. And Simon's adds Simon kind of fits into that that age timeline as well. With you know, he can pair well with Scoot, they can kind of grow up together. Dame's 32. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. I'm sure they're on the phone, Dame and his, and his representation, like, hey, look, 
this is our plan. How do you guys feel? And then, you know, they'll go from there. Ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So that's my that's my biggest thing about taking Dame is you are you're either you're either rebuilding or you have a chance to win, right? If you're just stuck in the middle, then you're you're kind of you're dragging on. So purgatory. If, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're not the the Bradley Beal deal is already is already done. Like he's 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 on the move. So is there anybody else that you can get that you can pair with him that can make you be something not even I don't even want to say that you can win the West because I don't think anyone's going to win the West for a while with the Nuggets doing what they're doing. But is there anyone in there that can help you at least make a little bit of noise, make a run in the playoffs so you're not sitting here in 2024 drafting with a top five pick? I, I, I don't know. Keep both guys. I, I just don't. I mean, it sounds good. If you had, a, if you were a popular free agent destination, you know, place, uh, and and guys would want to go there, then I can say, hey. And if Dame was a few, you know, few years older, I mean, Dame's young enough that it's going to be around a couple of years. I just think you got to do it before his, you know, his his game starts to decline a little bit. And he's far from that. I mean, he's 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 the real deal. I mean, I'm a huge Dame fan. I just would say, hey, man, let me put you somewhere on the stage. Right now, now that they have scoop, because I think they were unsure of, they didn't know which way it was going to go. So if, if Brandon Miller was there, we're not having this conversation. But now that they got scoop, it's like, man, you know, having both of those guys, what are we doing here? Because it's not like <coughs> Dame is giving you one or two more years and he's out the door. Right. And, and you can't wait till he's 35 and try to sit. That, that, I mean, as a front office person at that point, then you're either incompetent, but like, what are we mm-hmm. doing? Here? Also, you look at the guys. Yeah, also look look at the guys they have too, RC. Like you, Anthony Simons, they got Shaden yeah. Sharp last year. They're gonna they have the Scoot. They got Scoot Henderson now. Like those are a lot of young guys that need time on the floor in order to become what you think they potentially could be. Like you got to have those guys on the floor. And and you know the thing is, there's a lot of mistakes that come with young players. But the thing is, is you're not getting what you want for Dame and out of Dame because he's also playing with this youth, and it would be a disservice to him. So like Portland needs to make a decision. Because uh, as good of as it's been for Dame Lillard's brand 
<laughs> for him to uh, be that guy and to be that loyal person and everything. They need to do right by him. That's yep. the thing that would concern me. And quite frankly, Dame will never ask out. They need to move him. Yeah, you, they need to go to him. You know, all right, so the, the fourth pick is in. The fourth pick is in, guys. Uh, I think the way that we can summarize the night for the Trailblazers is having Scoot Henderson fall to you at third puts you in a position where you you can make a decision now, and you're going to yeah. be able to either draft it, uh, move Dame, move Scoot. You get to make a decision at this point. Um, pick four is in. Amen Thompson, Houston Rockets. Uh, there was a little bit of noise that it could end up being Cam Whitmore. Uh, but I think Amen Thompson ends up being the guy that gets drafted there. Uh, yeah. T.O., I'm going to go to you first on this one. Six seven, one of the – I think he's going to step into the NBA and be like a top 1% caliber athlete from day yeah. one. Um, what do you make of him? What do you make of his fit in Houston? I, I saw a Scottie Pippen comparison earlier today, and I, I'm not mad at it. Just because Scotty had this weird set shot going on and he did everything else. He passed the ball. He defended at a high level. Uh, there's a couple of clips of what Amen Thompson's doing that they're they're laughable. Like his ability to get up, try to take a charge, get up, block a shot, hit the outlet, and then finish the break. I mean, some of these things, I understand it's OTE, but OTE is better than high school situation. It's not as it's not as good as the college game, but it is better than you know, prep high schools. Uh, but athleticism is off the charts. 1% athlete, as you said, he's a guy that I think defensively is going to be able to bring it for you immediately. Uh, and on a team in Houston that has scores in place, you know, Jabari Smith, they drafted him, what, third last year. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Green. Jalen Green, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. They, I mean, they have guys. They need culture-setting dudes that are going to do the other things, and he fits that mold to a T. Yeah, RC. Yeah. Go, go ahead, John. Go I, ahead, John. I think it needs to be a culture change down there. In that organization right now, until you draft some veterans, you better be bringing in some the right veterans. They got young, talented players, mm -hmm. but the but the, there was a stench coming out of Houston from an immature standpoint that's not a good sign. So I like the you know Uma Udokasani as a coach. He you know he's a no nonsense guy, but there's got to be a culture change. Little nonsense, there. a little nonsense. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little nonsense. Adult, about it. Adult, hey, allegedly, allegedly, a little nonsense. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> Some, somebody, <not. laughs> that's cold. That's cold. Yeah, allegedly, man, I knew, a you know, all it took was all it took was four picks for us to get completely off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't say dude that. I just say it a little nonsense. I, you know, so, you know what, I want to I want to ask you guys this about um about uh, a man in uh, Asar Thompson. When how how hard is it to to evaluate? I, I think that this is the closest that we've gotten to basically a high school player coming into the NBA draft since high school players are allowed to come into the NBA draft, right? So how do you how do you evaluate that? I mean, I mean, you can watch the film, you can see the tape. Uh, one of the things that I'm concerned about is the Thompson twins and a men in particular. Thrive like what he does, his athleticism, the fact that he's on the ball the way he could pass, he could thrive in like a transition setting. And when you are that much better than anybody at a level like that, RC, everything's going to be in transition. So, are you worried about him at all playing in a in a uh, an NBA style that's not going to be just him up and down, up and down, up and down? Well, you worry about him because again, playing in that league, he's not playing against the cop the caliber of competition that you he'd play even at a high major level or in Europe. So there's mm -hmm. going to be an adjustment for him. So you worry about it from that. But the physical tools are there. 
the size is there. You like that. Uh, he's going to a team again. Uh, you know, I don't think there's as we start getting in this draft first round. I mean, I don't know if they hand in guys the ball right away. There's so many other guys there. This team needs to just get some veteran leadership in and somebody that can help ease these guys in. Uh, I like the pick. I like his game. I'd be uh, shocked if Thompson touched the ball at all down there. That's what I mean. Like, like this guy's a, a lot thing. of like, like they're not. Pa- Jalen Green's not passing the ball. Jabari, yeah. Like Jabari's um, not passing the ball. You think Evan Porter's passing the ball? Not on purpose. Like they yeah, needed guys to do the other things. Yeah, now he's. I mean, and it, you know, he, him not playing in such a high level competition, he does happen to be probably one of the more physically ready guys in this draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. So you can plug him in day one, and he's going to hold his own regardless. Now it's going to take some time, and Houston's starting to get that treasure trove of picks where they got to start making some noise and improvements. Um, and they definitely just start by having some bets. I think Eric Gordon is good. I don't think he wants to be or anything to do with Houston. But the guys like that, that can kind what of. What about Harden? You remember Harden? No, Harden. Yeah, they, just, they need a real. They need a role model. They need a role model down there. That's so, a, so get look, James Harden. They I was just at his restaurant, man. He's not the guy. Yeah, RC. Like we're we're talking about a culture change. You're going to bring. No, James that's Harden my point. Is, James Harden has grown up Jalen Green right now, right? Come on, man. What are we doing? <laughs> and I, also think, I, think, Smith. I think going, I think they need to go out and sign is Smith. So, you know, let me ask you guys this, RC, uh, RC and John, what is you say you got to bring vets in, right? You got to get a culture change. Like how, why does that work? Why does the presence of someone like Udonis Haslam in a locker room change things, John? Um, So for me, I got a perfect example. When I was coming in the league, we had Skiles. We made the playoffs my first year, but I had Mike Dunleavy on my team. Um, Guys like Ursula is so, but drove Chris Billa. And then even the next year, we were really bad. When we brought in Zaza Pachulia, they gave him a pretty big deal. But Zaza was the person that I tell him all the time, he changed my career because you know what I saw? I saw how he worked every day. 33, 34 years old, staying after. I saw he showed up. I saw Mike Dunleavy was in the training room when he was injured. I just saw these things so as a young player. So it kind of let me know what I need to do to be better. And so I thank God in the stars above that I had that because it did help me go into my next deal and, and become a professional and a, and a better player. So that was, that was when I was younger. So it is important. I mean, more important than people give it, you know, credit for it's the most, it's the most underrated thing, Rob, out there. Yep. The most underrated thing, because when you get drafted, you still got to deal with all the BS. You feel like you arrived. They're going to drag these guys from mm-hmm. now until the game starts. They're going to drag these guys all around. You're going to be promoting stuff. You're going to be doing everything, taking care of your friends, hanging out, celebrating your draft status. And when it slows down, you need a vet guy that when it, to show you how to work. Because mm-hmm. the way you worked when you was in college isn't the way you're going to need to work anymore. You know, they've, never, they've never worked as hard. These guys didn't even go to college. They you never work as hard until you get there and realize that. And he needs a veteran guy. I, I think that's the problem that happened with Memphis. You draft and get a bunch of young guys and expecting them to grow and take a step. You don't have veteran presence and leadership in a locker room. You hand it over to a bunch of naturally gifted young guys, and you get what happened in Memphis. You get an implosion. You get a locker room implosion. I, I, I think they need to – I think you guys said Ish Smith. I, I, I like that, but I think Ish is a little too nice. What they need is P.J. Tucker, who will smack somebody in the mouth when they get out of line. <laughs> like you they, also they have need to have somebody a, that's a little tougher. I'm you also honest, have to have like, a bet that, that, that is playing because I, I, I was talking to Danny Green. He was at the Cavs. He's like, 
yeah, they looking at me, they listen to me, but I'm not playing. So I only get so much of their ear. So you need to have a vet that's playing, contributing, so they can also understand, respect it. So it's tough. And then I don't think any vet's going to want to go down to Houston. I'm just going to – I mean, what do they got? Three top five picks, kids, all like four or five guys under 24 years old. But an older presence guard, Ish Smith, is perfect. But that's why – yeah, that's why I said Ish. Jeff Green going to get out of the way. Guy. Yes. Yeah. So we'll He gets see. out the way. He lets you. He's he knows his role. Play these young guys. He going and you you, you kind of put him next to these guards. Like they need that. They need a veteran guard down there to show these guys how to be pros. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's let's spin this thing. Looking forward, we got Detroit on the clock with the fifth pick. They haven't made it yet. They got Cade Cunningham. They got Jaden Ivy. They have basically every five star prospect that's come out of college <laughs> in the last like five years. Uh, Jalen Duran. Marvin Bagley, all of those yeah. guys, right? Yeah. Where, what are you, T.O., what are you looking for if you are um, Troy Reaver in this spot? What are you looking I, for? I, I think Cam Whitmore is a good pick here. It, 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 just simply because, think about those guys that got Jay Nivey, rim attack guy. Is he your main cog that's trying to score the ball? I, like, he can be sometimes. I, I think now you need a bucket getter and a high-level one. Uh, Cam Whitmore kind of fits it. Cade Cunningham's a pass-first, kind of do-everything guy. Uh, you need a bucket, and you need another physical body at that three spot. I, I feel like he fits here. Uh, poor Greg Waddell, he suffered enough. Didn't they, didn't they drop out of the top three? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it, yeah, tough sledding for Detroit fans here lately. But I, I do think one of the better prospects as far as naturally gifted scores uh, in this draft, Cam Whitmore dropped to this spot. I, I could see him going here. Yeah, I, I like Whitmore in Detroit. I think on a five-year kind of trajectory i think they have the highest chance to be really good they've got the pieces um i think they need to go out and get also get a vet or a guy that contribute they may need to pay someone to come in there maybe overpay to come in there and just help the young guys out because no one's on the books to get paid for two or three more years so um i love the choice roster i love where they're headed this is also another big pick i like a bit more oh so do you know who they're going with they're not yeah. going with cam winmore the thompson twins Go back to back. Asar Thompson Ooh. is the fifth pick. Wow. Um, he's he's more of the uh, the wing of the Thompson twins, right? He is the guy yeah. that okay. is going to play off the ball a little bit. He's still got a little bit of that passing into him. His jump shot is just as broken as a men's. Um, RC, how do you see him fitting there? It's just another athlete to put around a couple of playmakers that you have in Jaden Ivey and Cade, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, everybody, you can't reach, I guess. I guess you're looking for his upside. Athletically, he's going to come in and fit again, but they're not – you know, from I think we're going to say this theme throughout as we can, you know, outside of Grady Dick. And, you know, we're, we're going to be looking for guys that can make shots. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of guys here that can make shots. So you're going to get an Africa. I, I, I agree with with T.O. there. I, I thought Cam Whitmore would have been a, probably a better fit for those guys. But again, I think they're in a talent collection business right now. Detroit figuring out new coach, new environment. I'm sure Monty had his imprints over what he wanted there. And and again, some of these guys say what you want. These guys were coached by uh, by NBA guys and, and know what it takes to get them there. So they, they, they're probably prepared to come transition in. But Villanova's done a really good job with the way they get their guys going. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cam Whitmore fan. And that's, this is going to start record. The wings, high-level wings are, are are the trend right now. And as you see, they're getting picked off the board pretty quickly. If yeah, you don't have one, you better, get, better, you better find somebody two. to stop one. You better find somebody to guard one of them if you don't have right. one. Right, right. Hey, you, uh, Rob, you, you asked, how do you evaluate twins? And, and if you look in recent history, whether it's the Morris twins or even the Harrison twins that went to Kentucky, 
it seems like the more ball dominant version of the twins is the one that gets picked usually first. Like yeah. if you you look at all of them, it's the more ball dominant one, and that's what happened with Amen. He was more ball dominant. They saw more of him handling the ball and making some plays. Uh, that's just kind of, I guess, how the dynamic has rolled. But uh, over recent memory, that's kind of how those things have worked. But uh, how do you pronounce Osar Thompson? He's the better uh, shooter of the two. He's probably a little bit more skilled, and he has he doesn't have the pop that his brother does, and that's saying a lot because I think he's a one percent athlete in the NBA as well. But his ability to shoot it, he's more of the scorer than the other one. So it'll be interesting to see. Detroit needs that. They need some score-first guys. So I'm a little shocked that they went there instead of Cam Whitmore. How how worried are you about drafting a wing that where the question marks are his shooting ability, right? Like this is a league where if you are playing that position, you got to be three and D. That, that, um, but that's the thing that NBA teams feel like they can teach more than anything. And I think it's it's kind of crazy. Like that, yeah. That's the thing that they think, like, as soon as they get here, we can teach them how to shoot. I, and I, that's being I, biased because I'm a shooter. Like, I, well, I, I hate that. But so you know, it is what it is. I, I did, you know, I guess two or three years ago, you know, I was playing. And literally every day, I I was on three teams. I was on the Bucks, Cavs, and Pistons in three, two years. That's all we do. Walk in the gym, we're shooting. Shoot around, shooting. Practice shooting, like it, it's something that can be taught pretty well if they're committed to getting better. Um, I've seen a lot of guys become better shooters, and I think it's you know I'm not a shooter, but confidence-wise, if you know you're in the gym, man, you have full-time access. If the shot ain't broke, you should be able to be a competent three-point shooter. And this day in the NBA, because literally, for my last two years in the league, we were doing shooting drills that the guards were doing, centers, everybody, so. Their athleticism translates, though. I mean, I think that's the yeah, best yeah, way right to describe away. it with these guys. Their, their athletic, their size, and athleticism translates that they won't be overwhelmed that way. They'll they'll need to obviously improve their perimeter shooting, and I think, like I said, we're going to say that about quite a few guys, you know, in this in this draft. But you know, day one, size and athleticism, they're going to be able to get in the floor, create their shots, and play in an up and down, you know, pace. If it fits Detroit's style of drafting, they got Duran, they got Isaiah Stewart, Kate Cunningham, big, go athletic, Jaden. I like they're kind of putting together this kind of super athletic team, man. And you know, I, I like where they're headed. So let me let me ask you guys this. Um, first five picks are in Victor Wembyama goes number one, Brandon Miller goes number two, Scoot Henderson number three, Amen Thompson four, and Asar Thompson goes five. It is only the second time in uh, college basketball or in Ooh. NBA history that we have uh, four of the top five picks are not coming from oh, the God. college ranks. We'll get to that in a second, T.O. Does this say anything about where college basketball is headed, or is this just one of those years, T.O.? We'll go to you first. I wasn't listening because I got my thing. What, what was the question? <laughs> four of the first five picks come from not the college ranks. Is there anything that we can take out of that? I, I think the OTE thing is a bit of a – it's an anomaly. I don't think this will happen all that much, uh, especially with some of the talent. They have good talent coming in, but they've also been allowed to go back into the McDonald's All-American game. So they're going to get a lot more guys that are college ready as opposed to pro. I think the Thompson twins were a unique case. Um, guys, I mean, look, the G League Ignite, we thought they would attract more attention. They've they've been up and down with talent collection. I think the European thing is going to continue because I think skill development and size – 
over there. And this is a small part of why European basketball is going the way it is. Like you, FIBA World Championships are coming up. I don't think USA is winning it. Like the world has gotten better. And a lot of that has to do with one starting at seven, eight years old. If they're playing on a team for their town or their club, the season's 10 months long. And a lot of this is a lot of skill work going into every practice. That's a huge thing. So going into uh, the draft, I think it's going to continue with a lot of international flavor. Potential against production. The NBA is still a potential league hoping that some of these guys can turn out to be some of these superstar players that that's why you draft them so high. Yep. All right. Pick number six. I'm ready to agree with you on that. On that uh, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That was, have you seen USA's team? (laughs) Have you seen seen USA's team? I, I, I know what did um, Jaron Jackson agree to be on who else? Um, I can't think of other names. Cam Johnson's on the team. You remember Cam Johnson? I do remember Cam Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So listen, just, pick number six is in. Anthony Black is going Anthony Black from Arkansas wow. is going to the Orlando Magic. A bit of a surprise there. I think everybody expected Orlando to target shooting. I think Anthony Black was a guy that was projected as more of a uh uh back end of the lottery kind of a pick, but he's going sixth. Maybe the best hair in the draft, Henson. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I love Anthony Black. I think when I first saw him play this year. Didn't really know who he was, and he just popped right off the screen of me. I literally said, that's a pro. Who is that? I looked it up. He was ranked high, obviously, in the mock drafts, things like that. So I, I love that pick. He's one of my favorite players, kind of just his size. He can handle it. He can distribute. Um, I love the kind of flair he plays with. So uh, he'll, do, he'll do well down Orlando. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at the roster. You got Paolo Bencaro last year, the number one pick. Who's your pure point guard? Cole Anthony's not that. I think he's a second-unit scorer in the NBA. Sure. He's a good player, but I think he's a, he's best served as a second-unit scorer. Uh, uh, look at the rest of the pieces there. I, I feel like he he's the best fit. He gives you size at the point guard position. He has potential to be one of the top three defensive players individually in this draft class. I think that's huge. Six, seven, what, 210 pounds? Like, He's a big dude, and he's still 19 years old with a lot to learn. You saw his game take a step when Nick Smith got hurt. He was allowed to get downhill more and not defer as much. I love this pick. I think he's a tough kid, and he passes the ball extremely well. One more thing, Eric Musselman, who, who's there with him, like he put him in a lot of NBA sets, a lot of pick-and-roll actions to where he's going to be comfortable in a lot of the same actions that he used at Arkansas. That's huge. I don't think that he is a point guard. I don't think he's a point guard in the league. RC. I think he's a guy that is going to be your someone that plays off the ball, someone that's going to be the 
um, second side creator, right? I think he needs to add the jump shot, but to me, he's the he's the complimentary piece. Is that is that Isaiah Austin there with him? Yeah, yeah, you know he works for the league now. Yeah, he oh, works he for the league. Right. Yeah, like I don't think he, I don't think Anthony Black is um I don't think he's a point guard. I think he can fit alongside a point guard. I think you could slot him in next to one of these guys if you're buying into Jalen Suggs or Cole Anthony or whoever you want at that point guard spot. I think you put him next to Franz Wagner, you put him next to Paolo Bancaro. That's your two, three, four of the future right there. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I, I, think- I think early on because of the, the scoring guards that they have, I think he, you still need somebody from perimeter scoring. You, you're not going to space him out and 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 play off the ball, but so much. I mean, he because I think he's elite at pick and roll reads. So putting him in a ball screen with Paulo Bincaro, forcing switches and his size moving the ball. Now that their point guard with Suggs and and those guys who are more who's probably more scored than pass first guys gives him that option of it. He's just going to play. I mean, the ball is going to move. It's going to pop. He doesn't have to be a traditional point guard that we're thinking yeah. about. But I think he fits that 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 mold. Size getting downhill. You can throw him. You could throw him at the two. You could throw him at the two. I mean, he he positionally he can play the three in some cases. I mean, like a guy like Dylan Brooks was six six playing the small forward this year. So <laughs> I think that also helps him well. You know, be able to mesh different lineups as well. They got his brother on the screen right now on ESPN. He's got the same hair, the same flow, and the same blonde <laughs> patch in it. <laughs> There's two of them, man. That's awesome. The thing I love about Anthony Black is he was a guy that uh, that was like a football prospect. He was a wide receiver that was getting like high major Big 12 offers before he realized, hey, you know what? I'm 6'8". Guys are going to come at my knees if I'm a wide receiver. So um, I really like that pick here. Pick number seven is in. Guys are going to be shocked by this one. You ready for it? Buckle up, RC. Bilal Koulibaly. Bilal Koulibaly. Victor Wembanyama's teammate for Metropolitan's 92 in the French League. Uh, He is 18 years old. He's one of these big, super athletic wings that can't really shoot it. Um, That's a bit of a surprise. He's a guy that was expected to be like a late first round, early second round pick as recently as a month ago. But... Uh, Metropolitan's 92 made a run in the French League, whatever. I, I don't even know what the cup was, but they were playing in their playoffs as recently as like last week. And he was starting to look better. He was starting to figure things out. Henson, um, the Pacers, everyone thought that they were going to take a power forward, right? Like that's kind of what they wanted. Do you like this fit? Like that's not really what La Koulibaly is. Yeah. He's being um, traded. traded. Okay. <laughs> okay. So hold on. Dagan, tap in. What happened? What's the trade? I don't know the exact package, but he's being traded to the Wizards, according to Shams. So, okay, Indiana is. Um, he fits. He fits that. I mean, what we're seeing now is teams are going for those versatile perimeter guys to play the two, three, four, one through three. So he fits into the mold of what the NBA is becoming, and, and it seems like teams are grabbing these type of guys um, off the shelf. Which, you know, back when I was coming up. You were called a tweener, and no one liked you. Now you're coveted, so it's interesting to see the, the change in philosophy. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. It used to be tweener, and now it's value yeah. pick. Now like, they're like, we love this guy. <laughs> Balak so, Labelle is good, man. Like that six, he measured six eight with shoes on at a French pro day, and then he had a seven two wingspan. He, he's right now, as of today, the best on ball defender in the draft. Wow, I mean, can cover so many different positions. Incredibly long, a silky. Smooth athlete, maybe not this super bouncy guy like the Thompson twins per se, but I, I think you know 
you know, six, eight, seven, two wingspan, long, athletic, extremely smooth. He's not going to be one of these guys that puts on a ton of weight because he doesn't have super broad shoulders. He's more of M- Mikel Bridges, that body type, narrow shoulders, long, lanky kind of guy. But best on-ball defender in the draft, not named Wimbanyama. So let me let me ask you guys this. Let's let's recap what the hell is going on with the Wizards, right? They trade uh, Bradley Beal to the Suns for a shitload of picks. Chris Paul, Landry Shamit. They end up trading Chris Paul to the Warriors for Jordan Poole, um, a couple of first-round picks, Ryan Rollins, right? And now it looks like they are trading somebody to the Pacers for Bilal Koulibaly. Are you a fan of what is happening with the Wizards right now, RC? You're you're a D.C. guy. That's your hometown team. They should have been blew it up. Hell yeah, I'm for it. Like, blow it up. It's time to start (laughs) Like, let's start this thing over. I never understood why they hadn't been a free agent destination place. So hopefully they can start changing the culture there. Uh, again, they're another team. When you're blowing up, now you got to add some some veterans, guys. They're starting to accumulate. They're, they're hitting the reset button. And it was it was the right thing to do. You know, Chris just recently got traded, so let's see what they do beyond it. But I like the wing. I like the – you know, I, I like what the R- Wizards R- are doing. RC, for one, I love the Chocolate City. I would love to go there. You know, I don't know if people know about it like I do. But I love DC. <laughs> Secondly, I mean, um, they have a uh, they have an OKC guy running it, and they're they're doing they're, all the guys that leave OKC do that are in that mold, and that's what they're doing. They're getting picks, they're trading, they're making moves, they're trying to build build up assets, and and I, I love what they're doing now. I mean, they they got off their best players, they got some picks back. I don't know what they're gonna do with Kuzma. I'm assuming they're gonna let him walk. Maybe not. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I like what the Wizards are doing. Finally getting into what they need to do to be good, man, because – I could have never imagined Bradley Beal and Chris Tapp's Porzingis don't work well as a one in your two. Like, a, like you want your first and second options. Like, how does that not – how does that not help? So, we we have we have an answer on what the hell is going on with this pick. They traded two second-round picks to move up from eight to seventh to get Bilal Koulibaly, and Indiana is drafting Jarris Walker with the eighth pick. So, they are getting their power forward – um, now that we have Indiana's kind of th- that figured out, Henson, I'm going to go back to you. They're plugging in a power forward on a team that seemed like they really needed a guy to play that role. Yeah, uh, Indiana needs a power forward. They need a guy down there that's physical. Uh, they got Miles Turner, um, which you know, I think is a good fit as well for them. Um, it, I, I love Walker. I, the tournament, he stepped up. He, he's physical. He can shoot a little, little bit. Uh, he fits again. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, that mold, versatile, can play multiple positions, can guard multiple positions. Um, that's just kind of where the league's going. And as you can see, teams are taking whatever they can get to get those type of guys. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he does. But uh, I like that. I like that for Indiana. They need I think he and Derek guy. Lively are the two best versatile defenders in this league, in this draft. Not a, not a Koulibaly guy? RC. No, no, no. I think he's good. I think Kulub, I mean Kulubal is good. I, I just think from from guarding multiple positions, I think those two guys uh, are, are better suited than, than than he is. I think he's better at guards on ball, like you said. But being able to the ability to switch multiple one through four positions, I, I, I like those two guys. Are you buying the jump shot, To with Jarris Walker? I don't think that that's not what he's going to Indiana. He's going to Indiana because they need everybody. They need some defense. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were atrocious defensively towards the bottom of the league. Like they needed somebody. They needed a versatile, tough guy. 
guy who could guard multiple guys and put a body on you. Jairus Walker has that build. Now, am I buying his jump shot? I'm sure it'll be fine in the mid thirties at his best year, but the, you know what? That's not why he's there. He, he's going to That's be all there. you really need, right? Like if he's mid thirties and you have to chase him off the line and you're not drafting him to run him off the screens, you're drafting him to be a guy that is a good enough shooter that makes someone guard him. Right. Okay. So am I buying him to be a mid thirties guy? Yeah. Yeah. A couple seasons. I'm sure. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset of that. He he, he can she can he has, you know he, he'll be good. If, if you can make him a, a career average mid thirties guy, I think you hit a home run with that with that pick. Can I be honest? Like unless I see, like a guy can shoot great percentages or whatever. If unless I see his hands when he shoots it in person, it's really hard for me to really buy or sell a guy's jump shot. Like because if you look, like I played with a guy named Jure Grant as Harvey Grant's son, Horace's nephew. You remember this guy? Great guy, crazy as all shit. Great guy. <laughs> However, he had a good looking jump shot, but he yep. had hands of steel to where like it never came off his fingertips. Nice. Everything just kind of floated off his hands. It would it, like so he didn't have a feel to where you could really buy his shot till later. Right. That's that's how Thon Baker was. Actually, I, I, I'm with you on that. Thon Baker. I mean, he worked hard. He had really good work ethic, but his touch was just really bad. So he was never going to be a really good. He just didn't have the right feel. Yeah, um, because he out. had massive hands, man. It was like nah, he was numb on his feet. Like this knuckle up, he was numb. <laughs> like it didn't work. <laughs> I just didn't have to touch. So, like you know, he would never be able to. Like you know, his his feel wasn't great, so he would never be a great shooter, no matter how much he worked on it. And that's kind of how I felt about you know. So I, I kind of understand. <laughs> hey, have you guys seen that clip of Vernon Maxwell when he said he was going to stab Hakeem? And he said he had the hardest hands in the world after he smacked him. He said he could cut steak with his hands. Have you heard that? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Vernon said. Like, like some guys have really hard hands like that. And like, unless you see that, unless you see that person shot in person, it's hard for me to like, do I buy it? Maybe, but that, I, that's not why he's there. Even if he's only a low 30 shooter, like he's somebody that's still going to be able to serve a purpose and play a long time uh, just because of his body size and athleticism. Yep. Um, he looks right, like he so, can play defensive end, dude. Look yeah, that's guy. what I was just going to say. Like, he's he's listed at, what, 230 pounds? He looks like he's about 260 pounds. And there you see Kelvin Sampson there. What do you make of of this Houston program, Tila? We're, we're going to flip this back to, uh, to, to college basketball for a second. Um, they've had as many wins and as much success as anybody in recent years. Now they're starting to turn out NBA players. Uh, Jairus Walker is obviously here, first round pick. I think Marcus Sasser is probably going to end up hearing his name in the first round. Is this when do we start giving Houston the credit they deserve? When they win the Big Twelve next year. <laughs> there you go. Bingo. They, they just they need to be if they finish in the top four. Ooh. In the Big Twelve, if they can do that, then I think they'll people will give them a tremendous amount of respect. Who's not giving them respect, though, Doster? My question is no, no, no. Like, who's I, who's yeah, not yeah, giving them? They made the final four. I think everyone is because of Cowboys, because of Samson, Coach Samson. I don't think there's any question about it with him, and they have talent. You know, I, but I think we all question their competition is what I think would be the best way to say it. Yeah, my my, my point was more to you that it's the same way that people don't give Gonzaga the respect. Like the we I know where I thought know, you were going to say UConn. I we know. I thought yeah. you were going to say. <laughs> I almost did. I almost did. All right, pick <laughs> pick number nine is in. Taylor Hendricks from UCF is going to uh, to the Utah Jazz. I really like that fit with him next to Larry Markkinen and Walker Kessler. Um, there's plenty of uh, 
plenty of guards available for them to scoop something up later in the first round. Jim, uh, he's good. Yeah. What do you, how much, how much have you seen him? I, I, I had, I, I had a game when UCF played at Cincinnati. I was on that call. Uh, and like you want to talk about 610 versatile can put it on the deck a little bit uh, high floor prospect high floor and he continues to get better uh, long wingspan was a good rim protector I actually think he might be able to play some three for you so if Utah decides to go huge on a given night with Markinen, Kessler and Hendricks at the three like it, it it's feasible it probably can't work for long stretches, but I do think that it's it's feasible for periods of time, especially if Utah is able to get back in the playoff picture and the game slows down some. Uh, that could be a pretty enticing option. Yeah, Henson, I was about to ask you guys that. So we're looking at a team now that has Walker Kessler, that has Laurie Markinen, that got rid of Rudy Gobert in part because you could scheme him off of the floor in the playoffs. In part and because now, he's a, a, a knucklehead. Go ahead. Say what you got to say, T.O. I'm just not a fan. I think it's. Yeah. No, I'm just not a fan. I think he's, he's making, soft. He's making, too, he's making too much money for his impact on women to be so minimal in yeah. high high level spots and spots where you need him to be on the court. Yeah. So what do you what do you make of this this addition? Right in a in a year where or in a in a league where everyone's trying to get um, smaller and more versatile, it looks like the Jazz are kind of leaning into it in another direction, adding a guy that is probably long term best as a four. To a to a team that where you already have your four and your five, it looks like locked up. Yeah, I mean, right now you're in a talent gathering phase, right? You pick the best guy on your board, no matter what the position is. So I like that pick for them. Utah is a great organization, um, as we all know. So I don't really question what they you know have going or what they're trying to do. And uh, I mean, they were super competitive this year. <laughs> I honestly think that they didn't. They, they wanted to lose a little more than they had than they did, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good pick. They got they got something boiling down there too as well with that coach, man. Uh, I, I love what they're doing. What they're doing. Will's good, man. Yeah, he is. He's good. He's good. I, it, it, side note: Salt Lake City, one of the best airports I've ever flown into. That place is amazing. <laughs> uh, it, what makes uh, right, that, what makes a good airport for you, TL? Dude, right? the mountains when you come in that airport are freaking ridiculous. That that city is awesome uh, to look at. I haven't been outside the airport, but it looks like it would be pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, I've been outside the hotel myself, so I don't know. Looks yeah, like. there you go. It, it it's aesthetically pleasing when going down on the runway. I, no, I just, that's not that's not one of the cities where you make it out at night when you're on the road in the NBA. Don't go out to drink. Yeah, I, don't they they stop serving liquor like <laughs> I mean, you have to like have a you have to have like a flask in your in your suit pocket or something. Man. Yeah. Do they really stop serving? They yeah, stop like serving. They got some weird alcohol rules there, man. It's I've never weird, yeah. Some, I know Booker loved it there. Trevor Booker loves Salt Lake. Of course, he's a family man and all that. But like, all right. Know, so um, different strokes for different folks, but no <laughs> sips for different folks. All right. So what do you if you're if you're the Jazz now at this point, right? You've added Taylor Hendricks. How are you? Who are you targeting, RC? Who do you who do they need in the backcourt? Because I think that's the next thing they got to add, right? Are you are you are you in a total rebuild with the? In a draft standpoint, are you looking for a shooter? I think that's the key is going to be, and we talked about this before. I, I, I'm curious to see now where does Hawkins and Grady Dick go? I think those are the two best shooters left. So if you're looking for shooting, I think it's a significant drop off of who I trust to come in day one and knock the space the floor with some size outside of Hawkins and Grady Dick. I think is a drop off. So if you want shot making, I think you go. I, I think you go after one of those two guys. T.O.? 
Who'd we say Yo. was next? Sorry. I'm sitting here. I'm looking. I'm wondering why Cam Whitmore is still on the board. That, that He must have said something in an interview or two. <laughs> yeah, that, that was going to actually be my next question. But do you have a, any take on what they should, what the Utah should do with their backcourt? Didn't they just get rid of Conley? Like I don't, I don't even know who's starting there. Right got, now. They've been so out there. of it. They got Clarkson. They got a. They got Clarkson who has a Clark, Clarkson's a second unit guy. If you try yeah. to make him a starter, I don't love it. Like I don't know. Like you, you have these talented. Conley I would, Sexton. Okay. Hey Tio, I said, I said, go after one of the shooters. I think after Hawkins, I think Grady Dick Grady would Dick, make sense. Grady Dick and Hawkins, I think there's a significant drop. I think Jordan Hawkins makes sense. Make Grady shots. Dick makes sense. Yeah, I think, I, I think, think Grady Dick does make sense. A lot of sense. Yeah, I think that I think all of these guys that you're mentioning make sense for the team that is on the clock right now in Dallas. And and hence, we're going to let you get out of here in a second. You got draft parties that you got to get up. Uh, you got to hit up up there in New York. But yeah. when you uh, when you have Luka Doncic and when you let's just assume that eventually they're going to end up getting um, Kyrie Irving figured out but if he's still there uh, you basically need guys that can shoot and defend around them right like who yeah yeah Dallas needs defense they need rebounding they, they need stuff on the other side of the ball they've got the offense in my opinion they've got offense down they've got two of the most dynamic isolation players um, in the league so I think whatever you can to get a defensive-minded player, maybe, if that exists, or you take the best player available, whichever they think. You know, like, Cam Whitmore is the best player available. Also, Jalen Screams Derek Lively. Yeah. Exactly. Screams Derek Lively. So, because I know the Mavs are trying to get Clint Capello, but there's an impasse with the picks. I don't think Lively keeps Luka and those guys there. I, I think they got to get another guy, perimeter guy, to make some shots. I don't know if, if, if he moves the needle enough to keep that group there. If you drive the guy like that, I I think Luca may look at you like, man, all right, I'll give you one more year, this and I'm out. Well Lucas Lucas gonna be he's in Lucas in Lucas getting the call. So he he's gonna have some input on his on this decision. So whoever they do pick, I'm sure Luca is gonna be okay with. And if he's against somebody, I think Dallas would probably go away from him. I'm a fan of just what happened. Yeah, Henson, you nailed it. Um, maybe you didn't nail it. They picked uh, one of the best defenders in the draft in Casey Wallace, but the, the pick is getting moved to okay. Oklahoma City, uh, according to Shams. Um, we are going to head to a quick break here. Henson's going to head out. Uh, and on the other side of it, we are going to have a long discussion over what the hell is going on with this number uh, <laughs> number 10 pick. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Henson, you get out of here, man. <laughs> hey, good seeing you guys, man. Hey, y'all take it easy. RC, enjoy. Hi, right, man. Good see you, brother. Hi, right, man. Later, John. See you, John. So, um, <laughs> there you go, taking. Um, all right. So we have uh, we have Casey Wallace going to Oklahoma City. I um, like that. I like that fit. Nah, we're done. Nah, no, we don't nah, we're no. good now. No, I was trying no, to get, I was trying to make it be a clean out for Henson, make it look good for you. But hey, we're here now. <laughs> we're, we're rolling. We're rolling, Dagan. Um, hey, I like I like Case and Wallace, to Oklahoma City. Beside Josh Getty, like you have a defensive minded guard beside him. You also have some I started taking court depth there. Like that. Like there's a solid either off the bench guy to bring some toughness whenever Giddy comes out. Like you kind of have a little yin yang at the lead guard spot there to go along with. Uh, like Chet Holmgren is going to be back. There's a lot of nice young pieces there in Oklahoma City. I'm not mad at it. I actually what like. What position that are you playing them at? Huh? What position are you playing? 
It depends on if he's in there with Giddy or not. I think, I think Giddy I needs think, the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think I it makes too. sense because you have you have a couple guys in Shea Gilgis Alexander and, right. and Josh Giddy that are a little bit bigger, right? Both of those guys are like six six, creeping up on six seven. I think Shea's got what like the seven one wingspan, right? So you can you can play Casey Wallace there and have him be a little bit more of an off the ball guy because he could. I, I I'm believing in the jump shot for him. Um, I think you can have him be a little bit more off the ball guy. Just have him go out there and defend the way that Marcus Smart just goes out there and and defends for well, I guess the Grizzlies now, but it used to be the Celtics, right? I think that that I think it makes a lot of sense for Casey. I think that's a place that he's going to be able to succeed. Yeah, where, where well, he won't he get the ball, so he has to. He's gonna have to defend because he ain't getting the rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. How how good do you think he can be? Because I think that there is the range of outcomes. I would say for him is somewhere. It's a relatively high floor, right? Like I think you're looking at kind of like a maybe Pat Bev level guy as kind of the floor. I He's think a lot bigger than Pat Bev. I think, Pat Bev is not very big. Same kind of impact. You know what I'm saying, though? Just like a guy that's going to go out there and defend and muck stuff up. And maybe you're not going to be as uh, as as vocal as Pat Beverly. I don't think Kaysen Wallace said five words this entire season. But um, that, that same level of defender, no? Point of attack, get up under you. I think he's a show up and I think he's a show up and shut up guy, man. I, I really like Kaysen Wallace. And, and to be honest with you, I was a little uh, – I wasn't as high on him as certain people just because I feel like he's – he turns this corner to where in the draft, I mean, he turns the corner in the draft to where you go now to fit and to guys that could potentially play roles. I, I'm not mm-hmm. sold on him being an all-star. I'm sold on him being a very good player and a quieter, more workmanlike, easier to get along with version of Marcus Smart. Yeah. So that, let's talk like about that's the what guys I think that- he could be. Same body type, strong, tough guy mentality, lunch pail type dude. And I think it works really Really well, besides uh, besides uh, Shai Gilgis Alexander, uh, Josh Giddy, who's ball dominant, Chet Holmgren, who's going to play his first season this year. Oklahoma, they got some things cooking now. Like they're not going to yeah. be bad. Yeah, I he'll agree. Be, he's, um, he's going into a good situation with some veterans, some offensive yeah. weapons around him. He doesn't have pressure on him. He can come in and do what he does and guard and give them some strength off the bench. Yeah. The so I think the most interesting storyline right now that's left in the draft is that a guy who, um, in our mock draft, we had going number four, a guy who some people had slotted as the third best prospect in this draft. Uh, Cam Whitmore is out of the top 10 officially. The smoke of him um, dropping in this draft has ended up being uh, a, a real thing. How, I guess, why do you, why do you think this has happened? Is this, there, there were as obviously some rumblings of like some of the medical stuff. I think it was Jonathan Wasserman uh, put something out about that. Are you, are you concerned about this? We've seen this happen with guys before, right, RC? Are you worried about this long-term with Whitmore? How does this impact him? Does it change how you view him as a prospect? No. He, he'll, you know, For him, it's just about, like so many of these guys, he's going to go now. As we get further down his draft, we're getting to some – we're going to start having some playoff teams that are, that are drafting. The good thing about Cam is from a competitive standpoint, a defensive mindset, he's going to be ready to help a team with his size. So – he may slip in a draft some, but then he'll go to – he could potentially go to a better fit to a team that we can see and he can slide in and have a role on a much better team where some of these guys, these younger guys, are going to teams where they can get overwhelmed because there's just so much of the burden and responsibility that they have to carry. And if he continues to slip a few more picks, 
I think he can end up on somebody's roster and in a really good situation. I'm still all the way in on Whitmore. So I agree. I'm definitely high on him. Here's what I'll say about him. He is 18 months younger than the Thompson twins, right? He has not turned 19 yet. He turns 19 in, I believe, uh, mid-July, right? He already has the physical tools. He already has the body. We know what he is as a scorer. Um, I understand that there are concerns about him uh, on the offensive end and especially on the defensive end with some of the decision-making and kind of figuring out uh, what he is as a player there. I think so much of what the the question marks are is stuff that can get fixed with coaching, that can get fixed with kind of being taught where to be, how to play, uh, you know, the angles that you selfish need to take mentality. to be able to close out. Kind of a you selfish had- mentality. And, and in an NBA game now where it relies on ball movement, like he's a ball stopper. Cam Whitmore is a ball stopper. He's a talented ball stopper, but he's a ball stopper. He had the, one of the lowest assist rates in the history of with the draft in the last 15, 20 years. That's a Bessany quote right there. Like he didn't pass the ball. Like, he, like the thing is, is everything thrives on ball movement now. He doesn't pass the ball. But, mm-hmm. and, and, but if I, and I agree with you because that's what happened, but my question would be, or my comeback would be the situation in dealing with Villanova with those guys and that team and the injuries that they were dealing with to start the year. And he gets injured and he comes out. Is it, is it a freshman trying to do too much on a team that was as later in the year as they got healthy, they started to play a little better. 